Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex podcast. It has been a while, but we are super excited to be back. It is Drew here with Josh and Connor. And even though it is the offseason, crap is happening. Transfers are happening. A lot of stuff is going on. So we are super pumped to be back at it and talking about a wild, wild offseason. Even though it's only January and there's still things to go, it's been crazy. It's been a crapshoot. We're super pumped to talk about it. But before we get into the fun world of Major League Soccer and its offseason, it has been a while since we've talked. I think we have had the holidays. We've had New Year's. We've had life in general going on. So it has been a while. So, Connor, I are you back at school? If so, how is it going? If not, how is the break going? How has life been treating you for the past I don't know how many weeks we haven't talked, but how has life been treating you so far for the past couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, the last time we recorded was before MLS Cup, so mm-hmm. it's been a while. Uh, we're also trying out a new recording technique, so we'll see whether or not that works and how well it works. Um, but I start classes again tomorrow uh, at 10 a.m., so uh, one last semester of full class load and... Yeah, we'll see how this goes. Um, but just sort of relaxing, enjoying the break. We're kind of in another lockdown in Ontario, thanks to Omicron and all of that fun stuff. Um, so we're starting off virtually until at the very least 31st of January. I think it'll get extended, but who knows? Nobody knows what's happening in this province anymore. But that is not relevant to a soccer podcast um, because we have lots of soccer things to talk about. Josh, you, I guess, are back teaching, I'd assume, because it's second week of January. Yes. Yeah. I've been back teaching, um, started back last week, but uh, yeah, I had some, I had some good holidays. I did end up catching COVID over oh, Christmas. How did yep. It, yep. How did um, it? So it's funny. It was really weird for me because, so I went to Chicago, right? That happened like right after we last recorded, came back and like, wasn't feeling well, got what I would call a sinus infection. Um, and like, I have a decent immune system. I don't get sick often, but once, maybe twice a year, I get a sinus infection. It always happens the same. It starts in like my throat goes to my nose, ends in a cough done in like a week, maybe two weeks tops. I'm feeling that way when I get back from Chicago, I feel like, okay, you know, I was traveling, body was all over the place. Like, you know, was gone for a while. My body finally decided to get sick. Um, 
So I thought it was just a sinus infection. And then a friend tested positive. So then I went and got tested. And that's when I discovered that I was COVID positive. So that's how I found out about it. And it was weird. I didn't end up getting like fever or like cough, any of the like real COVID specific symptoms, uh, no aches or anything. But uh, I guess that's what that was in hindsight, but it did not feel like it at the time. Were you on a plane when you had symptoms? No, I was not. I didn't start showing symptoms until I was back from Chicago, but I figured it was just from the travel. There's a good chance I caught it, even though because of Chicago city mandates, I wore a mask more in Chicago than I have here in Georgia in quite some time um, due to just, you know, it's a city, so many people there, but um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how that went down. Well, Drew, you weren't positive for COVID, but you were positive for a national championship. So how was that experience? that was it's funny you say that because i actually was positive for covid so i got positive for both yeah it was um right after graduation is when it got me um but (laughs) yes yeah it was um yeah it started off as just like an annoying sore throat friend said he tested positive i went got tested tested positive didn't give me too bad thankfully um but yeah i did that so that was unfortunate but yes life has been nuts lately um yeah, got back from Indianapolis a couple days ago. Today's the 13th. Got back the morning of the 12th from Indianapolis watching Georgia finally win a national championship. It took them long enough. Um, did that today. Got to hand out newspapers for said national championship. Um, that was a really crazy experience. I think people have been waiting for a long time for those newspapers. So, that was fun. It was pretty wild to go in the press box um, where the Colts play and just to get to see that whole thing, experience all of that um, was something awesome for sure. Good way to wrap up my last football season here at Georgia. And now the job search not really begins, but continues. We'll see what happens. But yes, Indianapolis was rad. Um, it was a cool city. It was freaking cold. I was telling them before it was like 16 degrees, but it was cool the stadium was indoors, which was the main thing. Cause I would not want to stand out on that field watching two teams from the South play football in 16 degree weather on a Monday night. Speaking of weather, Drew, have you been checking the weather for the next I, couple of days? You know, not enough. Apparently um, it seems to be that snowmageddon, what 6.0 or so is <laughs> showing up, which is really unfortunate. I don't know what day it's supposed to come in, but the, Georgia football parade, which people have been waiting for 41 years for, is scheduled for Saturday. And people are beginning to worry about said snowmageddon. No, what, no what I think it's for? from what I've been looking at the last couple of days, it's just going to be Sunday. So, okay. and it won't, it's not like a rain late Saturday night and then it'll turn into snow on Sunday. So, I don't think you guys should be worried for the parade. How okay. many centimeters are you guys getting or inches? <laughs> I was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> centimeters. <laughs> Um, I think it last I saw was projected one to four, um, which anything over one inch here in four Georgia, inches is unheard of. Pretty decent. That's pretty decent. okay. Sorry, it changed one to three inches, but from everything I keep seeing, like it, it's definitely gonna snow. I, I doubt it'll be anything crazy, but an inch is I'm excited. Centimeters, I think I'm excited. How many centimeters are in an inch? I think three. So, um nine centimeters potentially which is actually a fair amount of snow i think you're probably going to get more like one and then the big question is does it stay on the ground if it doesn't stay on the ground 
your there's no school on monday anyway because of martin luther king jr day so i'm assuming that i mean that's good timing in terms of having a federal holiday but um uh, yeah yeah i think we'll see i the most conservative forecast is the one that i saw that was only three inches and that only has it snowing like six hours in the afternoon but the more um aggressive forecast that i was looking at from another news source it was like 12 hours or so so it could it could be a lot or it could be like a little bit like 12 hours of snow but like 12 hours of snow could be flurries for 12 hours in which case you get maybe three inches like it depends on how heavy it comes in um yeah hopefully both of you have shovels because you're probably oh no 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 no. we wait for it to melt oh my god we won't do anything when it's on the ground brooms do you broom is that effective you tell me you're the snow expert in this conversation well uh, i've never thought to sweep snow Unfortunately, we get too much snow to broom, but I've seen people do that in the past and have heard of it being a thing. So, yeah. Uh, but let's dive into North Americans abroad. Yes, yes. We had a fun wild world of transfers, like I mentioned. And while a lot of that does include MLS, a lot of that does include our favorite segment on the episode, North Americans Abroad. So we had a lot of action going on with North Americans. We can go through um, and talk about these, which ones we think are the biggest. Um, but we can knock some of these out. First, we had Richie Larea to Nottingham Forest. Uh, we had one of, in my opinion, one of the biggest ones of the window. We had Ricardo Pepe to Osberg for $20 million. I am sure we will talk more and more about that because that is a wild one. Uh, Daryl DK sold to West Brom for 10 million, which feels kind of weird because that kind of flew under the radar. It was wild. Um, Tejan Buchanan, Tejan, goodness, Tejan Buchanan finally sold off the Club Bruges for 7 million. And there's some rumors here. I have not seen this, but I've seen a question mark in the doc. James Sands to Rangers. Not a rumor. Uh, confirmed transfer. Not a rumor. It is confirmed. It was Rangers or Celtic. It was one of the two, uh, Connor bomb here on the podcast. Um, but yeah, guys, we had a lot of interesting moves. Obviously a lot of these guys, Americans, North Americans, things like that. So Josh, out of these guys, I'm going to have talked about in transfers. Um, what have you think has been the biggest so far that we have seen out of our fellow North Americans? Oh, I mean, easily Ricardo Pepe to Augsburg for $20 million. I mean, Talk about an overcrap. Whoa, okay. I mean, probably a little bit. But I also think at the end of the day, they I mean they were the only team willing to meet the asking price. I mean, you're right. That makes it an overpay because some of the bigger clubs weren't willing to pay that much for them. Probably a little bit smarter, but yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, it's huge for MLS. This is the second highest outgoing transfer for the league ever, let alone for a MLS homegrown or for an American young American player uh, behind only Miguel Almiron from Atlanta United. So, I mean, that's insane. That's just insane. That alone, the number is impressive. Um, Hopefully he does well. Augsburg is kind of in the middle of a relegation battle, and that's obviously a tough uh, situation to be in, but they're all in on Pepe. Like, he is the solution for them. So it'd be really cool to see him step up, which, by the way, I do think is going to happen because every level of the game that he's played at so far from amateur level to professional level, he has succeeded at almost immediately. 
I think it might take a little more time in this case, but I do think he's going to do well for Augsburg. Interesting. I'm going with a more under the radar transfer in Richie Larea. Um, not because it's a big transfer, not because it's a big name or anything like that, but it's something because it highlights something that we don't talk enough about when it comes to these young Americans, Canadians, Mexicans, you name it. Um, and that's following a dream and making a dream a reality, going and playing in Europe. One of Richie's biggest dreams has been going and playing in England. And he got that, he made that dream a reality, uh, what, last week when he moved to Nottingham Forest. And I think he's going to play a big part on Nottingham. I think he's going to be a big part of that right flank for them. And uh, it's a very interesting step for his career as he, looks to potentially get into the Premier League if Nottingham could go on a sort of run to end the season and perform well in the championship playoffs to get to the Prem. Um, but, yeah, I got to shout out the Canadians uh, because Drew highlights the Americans and other North Americans when, in reality, there were three Canadians on this list, and it would have been even had I not added James Sands last second. But, Drew... Ricardo Pepe has been stolen from you. I have a no, the best one. Yeah. Just tell yes. us why you're picking Daryl DK. I, yeah, I mean, you guessed right. Yeah, I'm picking Daryl DK because it's a, it's a good runner-up. I think the obvious answer here is Ricardo Pepe to Osberg, which is kind of wild that, you know, I think when you would look at the, the, the move Daryl DK to West Brown for $10 million, that's, you know, in prior years and prior windows, I think that would be very top-notch headline news for the day. But with Pepe coming in, like we've talked about all these moves, it kind of felt like that move just kind of swept under the rug. So I think that's just a symbol of that this isn't that big of a deal, um, just how big of a deal this transfer window was. And when you have a player like Pepe, you know, breaking records like Josh mentioned, um, is like kind of a just an interesting transfer. I don't know if this league has ever seen. So I think I'm going with DK. Um, I think Pepe is a correct answer here. But DK, yeah, I mean, we've seen him you know, heat up with Orlando City kind of cool down and things like that. And now, obviously, with loans, there was a question of, is he going to stay in Europe permanently or not permanently for long term rather than just a quick loan spell? And for this move, um, it seems like that might be more of it. I think they're third in the championship. It looks like they might be getting up to Premier League. I have no idea. I don't watch the championship. Sue me. Um, But, you know, the potential to kind of help grow into that team, help them get into a promotion and get into the Prem where he's playing really good opponents is also really exciting. Uh, they are fourth. Dang, I was so close. Crap. Um, so that's exciting for me. Um, hopefully he'll get to be in a position where he can continue to stay hot because we've seen him get really hot with Orlando calm back down. So I think this is a really exciting move and we'll get to see how he does this because it feels like this is very much a move to let him kind of go into it. This is a good team like we talked about. So it is not all on him, like a Pepe move, where I think a lot of it is just Pepe go score goals and try to save the day. I think DK is able more to come into a good side that can win, that's looking to get promoted, um, and let him work with that. So I think Daryl DK is a super exciting move um, that's kind of been swept under the rug with the Pepe news. But I'm going to go say Daryl DK to West Brom is a super big move. that I'm very excited to see how that develops and hopefully we'll get to see him play in the premier league uh not for much longer yeah be good to see another american in the premier league although 
if we're going based off of current players in the Premier League who are Americans, it's uh, not, not the best track record considering Christian Pulisic is struggling to get minutes and Josh Sargent isn't Does even, even play soccer. Premier League. Yeah, he barely even plays. Um, Josh, are I, you worried that Ricardo Pepe is going to be the next Josh Sargent? I heard this in a podcast. Is that a worry for you? No, it's not. Not in the slightest. Josh Sargent was stuck on a crappy Bundesliga team playing out of position is the big difference, I think, here. Uh, being stuck as a winger slash wing back at times on a team that also is extremely defensive. Now, I can't speak to how Augsburg is handling things right now, uh, but I'm pretty sure that you're not going to spend $20 million on a, a, a kid like this to play him out of position. And, and that was a big part of Pepe's decision as well to sign with the team. Um, I think Augsburg just ultimately won out because of the price tag. They were the ones willing to meet it for Dallas. But yeah, I'm not worried about that with him. As long as he gets minutes in his position, um, it'll automatically make it a better move than for Josh Sargent. And let's go to some exciting MLS news that I didn't even see and didn't even realize, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, And that's apparently the 30th team is going to be announced in the first quarter of 2022. Most likely, it'll be Las Vegas. Uh, They've been surrounded in rumors, and I think with the success of the Las Vegas Golden Knights and the which football teams in Vegas? Chargers? Raiders. 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 Ah, You were close. Close. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I guess MLS trying to capitalize on that. There's currently a USL team there in the Las Vegas Lights, I think. They have llamas in their uh, team photo. They are the Knights. They have llamas in their team photo. They're the most exciting team in North America, in my opinion. There you go. Uh, but it's interesting that they're going with Vegas at this point because I remember one of the rumors during the whole Messi saga was that his dad was in talks with MLS to potentially bring a team to Vegas to then have Messi play for them. Um, I wonder if that has something to do with it, but obviously Messi is still under contract with PSG. Either way, what do you guys think about a 30th team being announced? Do you think this is going to be good for the league or is this just going to create way too many games and sort of make the league too big, I guess, at this point? Personally, I've been worried about the, excuse me, the league being too big regardless. Um, So that train has long left the station for me personally. Um, I, I mean, I think it makes sense signing a third or bringing on a 30th team just because we're at 29 right now, St. Louis. And obviously that has no symmetry to it whatsoever. So you get this 30th team, you get a nice 15, 15 going. Um, what's interesting to me is I don't know if we'll end up expanding to 32 uh, in a way similar to the NFL and splitting up into divisions all over the place. Uh, I could definitely see something like that happen, but it'll be, interesting to see how you know having 30 teams goes but yeah personally i think it's a lot but it makes sense to get that symmetry going and other than vegas i can't think of anybody that's going to end up getting this spot what about you drew what do you think about adding a 30th team to the league yeah i think it there is the i think especially given the fact that the supporter shield is such a big deal in mls there is the worry about if you add too many teams to the league, right, there's no way everybody can play everybody. So the strength of schedule just kind of goes out the window and therefore the supporter shield might kind of go out the window as well. Um, so I think, yeah, the league personally, I think is too big, but when you're competing for viewership with the NFL, major league baseball, NBA, 
this kind of feels like the 30 range is where to go. So I think it's too big just because soccer is a weird sport. It does things a little differently. Um, as far as going to Las Vegas goes, I think that's genius. Um, I think the sports gambling world is growing every day and getting MLS on that as much as I hate betting on MLS because it's the weirdest league in the freaking world. Um, that's going to be a golden opportunity. And I assume they're playing where the Raiders are playing at Allegiant Stadium, I think, is the plan that I have heard, which the stadium looks awesome. I think it's about to host a Super Bowl, if not has already hosted a Super Bowl. I know it hosted a very big U.S.-Mexico game, and I think people have been talking about hosting games there a lot. So Vegas is crazy about soccer. I think the city-wise is phenomenal. I think it's been long overdue for an MLS club. Like you mentioned, Connor is a huge sports city with the Raiders, even though the Raiders are very young, the Golden Knights are very young. That city has shown up to support it. So as far as the city location goes, I'm all in on Vegas. I think that's going to be awesome. I think there are some cities in the league that probably shouldn't have teams compared to Las Vegas. Let's hear uh, it. Who? Who? Who should not have a Come team? Come on, make Vegas. fan bases angry. Oh, man. Dog. Charlotte, like you can you kidding me? Charlotte, North Carolina. I love Charlotte. It's a great city, but Vegas, man, like no, Vegas needed one first. Who else? Honestly, Orlando. <laughs> Vegas needed one before Orlando. Orlando's supporting the heck out of that team, but like you got Disney World. That's it. Like the magic suck. <laughs> like I've never gone to Orlando and think this is a great sports town. I can't wait to watch a soccer game here. So Charlotte and Orlando, I love you to death. But I think Vegas has been long overdue for a team. Uh, who else? Who else? Honestly, Harrison, New Jersey. Yep, there it is. Yep. but That's fair. <laughs> yes, Vegas has been long overdue. I think the league is too big, but I think Vegas has been long overdue. And I'm super pumped to see what this does for the league because you get some rich millionaires betting on MLS. I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, hopefully there's no... Hopefully that doesn't impact the play on the field. Uh, is this where it ends? Is this where are we stopping at 30? I don't Garber. Know. No, Garber said it'll be 30 for now. And they, you know, they have no plans currently to expand to 32, but I do think down the road, he ends up expanding it to 32, but it could be a ways off, but who knows what that means. Could be a ways off. We're going to soon be even more than that. We're going to be what, how many, I think there's 22, 30, probably around 50 teams, hopefully by 2030. Oh my gosh. No, you don't. Hopefully not. No. Uh, see, but I want Liga MX and MLS to combine because I think that'd be great. No. Uh, Those Las Vegas games would be awesome if Liga MX got in the mix. Yes, it would be so much fun. Hey, League's Cup. Oh, yay. League's Cup. Soccer. Yeah, before we dive into League's Cup and <laughs> go on a terrible, terrible tangent, let's take a quick ad break. We'll be right back to talk. Every single move we missed because there are, what, four pages of them? So we'll be right back. All right, and we are back to talk all things MLS. Since we've been off for a month, we've got pretty much something to cover for each team, so we're going to go real quick through all the teams, starting in alphabetical order. With Atlanta United, almost nothing to report for them. They did sign Ozzy Alonso, who most recently played with Minnesota United formerly of Seattle, former teammate of Gonzalo Pineda. 
And that's pretty much it for Lane United. Some rumors on George Bellow, Miles Robinson, maybe Ezekiel Barco. And there is Tiago Almada that they are apparently bringing in, but really nothing solid from that. Really just Ozzy Alonso as the big one. So moving on to Austin FC, their biggest move so far, they signed Maxi Rudy, the forward. He becomes the first player in MLS to play for all three Texas teams. They loaned DP midfielder Tomas Pochettino to River Plate for the season. And they are reportedly signing DP defensive midfielder, I'm going to say, Jojan Valencia from Colombian champs Deporto, Deportivo Cali. Apologies. Uh, for probably seven figures. That's according to Taylor Twelman. So, Connor, what do you make of Austin FC's couple moves in the offseason so far? Well, the fact that Max Yaruti is their biggest one tells you a lot. Um, for a team that's struggled to score, they could use a striker. I don't know if Aruti is that guy for you, but, you know, you do you. Uh, getting rid of Pochettino, I think they sort of had to do that. Uh, and I think bringing in this DP de- defensive midfielder, whenever you can add that sort of depth... I don't know how that's going to work with Alex Ring, who is now a DP, by the way. Um, I don't really understand why you'd bring in another defensive midfielder as a designated player. But if they think he's good and they think he's going to be a good fit on that team and they want to play a lot more defensively, be my guest. Good luck scoring the goal still is all I'll say. Uh, I'll play devil's, devil's advocate for a second. They did have, I can't remember his name, um, the U22 four that they just signed. I want to say Musa Jite, Jite, I think. Um, he was scoring for them, so they might not really need a striker going into the season. He's got a little bit of experience under his belt. Uh, maybe Aruti was brought in for depth, uh, but not a whole lot of moves for Austin in this offseason. But moving on to a team with tons of offseason of off-season moves, uh, expansion side, Charlotte FC, busy building a roster, making tons of moves, did the uh, expansion draft. Just going to run through them real quick. Pablo Cisniega from LAFC for 50000 in GAM. They got two international slots from Nashville for 500000 in GAM. They got right back Jalen Lindsay from Sporting Kansas City for 100000 GAM, could rise to 325000 Also 15 percentage uh, sell-on fee and homegrown rights. They got Brazilian forward Vinicius Melo on a U22 young money slot from Internacional in Brazil. They signed Riley McGree from Australia, although he will possibly be on the move. We'll talk about that in a second. They signed a couple of MLS free agents in um, outside back Harrison Offal and attacker Jordi Reyna. And then in the MLS expansion draft, they selected five players, kept just three of them. They kept center back Anton Walks from Atlanta United. They kept McKenzie Gaines uh, forward from Austin and defender Joseph Moore from DC United. They did select Tristan Blackman from LAFC, traded him to Vancouver. And they also selected Ismail Tajiri Shradi from New York City FC, traded him to LAFC. So those are all the huge moves for Charlotte so far. Obviously, lots to dive into. Um, first, Connor, I want to ask you about Riley McRee, bringing him in and what you think about selling and who they'll be selling um, agree to there's now a front runner and then drew i want your opinion on the way uh charlotte went through their expansion draft those couple players that they selected especially you can speak to anton walks uh, being from the atlanta area and uh maybe pick a favorite signing so far so connor talk to us about riley mccree 
Well, he's an Australian, uh, first and foremost. So would have been an international if they were to bring him in. He was uh, reportedly bought for around $3 million, And the rumored fee is like 5 to 7 million euros, I think is what I've been seeing. Uh, reportedly with Middlesbrough being the front runners. I know Celtic were in the running, but that didn't end up happening. Uh, he was signed. Uh, he was loaned to Birmingham in the championship. So that's where he sort of played his games last season. Um, obviously I believe Middlesbrough and Birmingham are both in the championship. Uh, so I guess Middlesbrough probably saw him, became interested, reached out and are willing to play a pretty big fee for that league to bring him in. And on the Charlotte side of things, before you've even kicked off, you're selling a player for a profit. So I think that's a win in and of itself. Uh, you're going to add that $1.05 million in GAM to your already uh, large pool of it. So it, I think it's a good move for them to make. I think they need to bring in another player um, because we've seen what happened with the FC Cincinnati and how you do need talent to succeed in this league. So it's going to be a very interesting year for them. And I think their expansion draft was interesting. Drew, what did you think of Charlotte's approach to the expansion draft and the deals that they ended up making? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you mentioned, that you're already cranking out a profit. You have yet to kick a soccer ball. is pretty impressive. Um, and I think it shows the optimism that this organization is going forward with and i think it's been kind of the mo just from the step from when they started that this organization is very ambitious um they want to play for championships they want to they become a premier league premier not premier league a premier club in mls um and when you're competing with a club like atlanta down the road national sc is opening that awesome stadium down there um you really need to compete in the South. So I think that's just something that they have shown. And this move is very kind of like a big step in that. I think um, as far as the way they handled their expansion draft, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that they just went guys with experience. I've played in the league before. We obviously know Harrison Awful has played with Columbus, I think for ever um, won a championship with him. I think he was on that team as well that went to MLS cup and lost to Portland. He, he might've been on that team. Yes. I'm getting a thumbs up from Josh and Josh is our fact checker, official fact checker, Josh Boland. Um, so he's played in the league for a while. He has experience. He knows what it's like to win. Um, I'm not sure how old he is. Let us find that out right now. He is currently he's, 35 he's like years mid, old. I would say he's like mid thirties. So he has, a lot of miles on those legs to put that nicely, but he's a phenomenal player. Obviously he has won a championship competing for championships. So I think that's really good. Same thing with Anton walks. I don't think Anton walks is nearly as old as Harrison awful. And he's played consistently with Atlanta United this past season. Um, and then he played with the team before then I think he went on a break. Um, so, you know, Anton walks is not this, you know, premier defender that when you think of, you know, best defenders in the league, you think of Anton walks, but I think, you know, when you look at Lane United, there were bigger problems as far as defending goes than just Anton walks. So I think it was pretty clear, and you already ran out the same. I mean, he kind of dipped off. He had that one stellar year with Vancouver where, you know, that was like his prime year ever since then. He went to D.C., hasn't been the same. He's been a couple extra years with Vancouver. But all these guys have experience in the league. I think that's the main thing. And, I mean, you get these guys surrounded by 
some really talented players you spend a lot of money on. That's when those international slots come into play. Um, it looks good. I mean, it looks good on paper, good method. You get guys that are talented and cost a lot of money combined with guys that have played in the league, won in the league. It's a good recipe. All that being said, this is an expansion side. Things probably are not going to go very well. But I think in the expansion draft, it was pretty clear that they just want guys who've played in the league um, and know what it takes to win because, I mean, Anton Walks 2017 went to the playoffs with Lane United, hosted a playoff game, probably should have won that playoff game. Harrison Awful winning MLS Cup, going to another MLS Cup final. Um, so I think they've made it pretty clear they just want guys that know how to win that have played in this league before. And you combine that with some pretty high flashy, expensive guys. You got a good recipe cooking. But first year, probably not going to go very well. But we'll see how this goes down the road. What did you guys quickly think about the fact that, that they've brought in a lot of internationals? especially with the draft, Anton Walks being international, Ishmael Tajiri Shradi, a little different because they ended up trading him, but also international. And I think Joseph Mora is an international. Do you like that? Or do you think following in inner Miami's footsteps isn't the best idea in the world? I think when you put well, it like that, following in inner Miami's footsteps is the worst idea in the world <laughs> when you put it that way. <laughs> Um, I do believe Anton Walks has a green card, so he shouldn't oh, be an issue as far as – I think so. I think he got one with Atlanta um, this year, the beginning of this year. So he probably shouldn't cause that much of an issue. I, I am with you, though. I mean, I think it's interesting that they're going so international heavy when that hasn't necessarily been a recipe for success for expansion teams. Um, you see so much domestic leadership and sort of veteran players to help, um, you know, be successful early in the league. And of course there's some veteran experience in there, but uh, maybe not as much as we typically see. So that will certainly be interesting. Going to be lots of eyes on Charlotte this year. Uh, I believe I saw they've sold 45,000 tickets to their home opener. They have openly stated they're trying to break the record for MLS attendance in their opener um, shooting for like 78,000, I think. And they've got 20,000 sold so far in season tickets. So they're off to a very, very solid start. And uh, of course, it'll be fun to see them in about a month and a half when the season kicks off and we get to see them in action for the first time. But moving on to the rest of the league and some other moves, uh, Chicago Fire, not a lot from them this offseason. Uh, we've talked about Ezra Hedrickson, their new manager on a previous podcast. Um, probably the biggest offseason news so far, they transferred DP winger Ignacio Aliceta over to Lugano FC, which I believe is in Switzerland. That club is also owned by Joe Monsueto, who is the Chicago Fire owner. So it kind of made sense to clear off a DP from their roster. FC Cincinnati finally announced Pat Noonan as head coach. Noonan recently spent time as an assistant with the Philadelphia Union under Jim Curtin. So it made sense with Chris Albright now in charge over at FC Cincinnati of building that team. Also, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Jeff Birding stepped down as rather he got promoted out of the president position, I think. So he's done with day-to-day -day operations with the team, done with day-to-day -day decisions, and he'll now be in a more senior role with part owner Carl Linder. Uh, that's an interesting move. We've talked about Birding before in the past, uh, how he maybe hasn't done the best job with Cincinnati as evidenced by their three wooden spoons in three years of existence. Uh, then finally, I just want to rant about this for a second. SC Cincinnati signed Alec can as a free agent goalkeeper. Uh, Atlanta United is extremely stupid for letting Alec can go and keeping the highly expensive for his age and performance, Brad Guzan in uh in goal still super frustrating 
couldn't get anything for Can. Personally, I would have rather them kept Can and just released Brad Guzan or let him be a bench player and let his contract run out, maybe transfer him somewhere, get something for him. Uh, Can ranked, I think, second in goals added for goalkeepers this year. Um, and he did get a stretch of, of games in the middle of the season. So he wasn't, um, wasn't like a minuscule sample size. So very frustrated as an Atlanta fan to be losing him. Uh, he better be that good for, on FC Cincinnati or they're going to suck again. Um, hey, he doesn't even have to be that level of good. He can just be like above average and that will already be a massive improvement for FC Cincinnati because their goalkeeping has been straight garbage as evidenced again by their wooden spoons along with their awful defense and roster construction. So good for Cincinnati. You've got a great goalkeeper. He's going to do great for them. <laughs> Sucky for Atlanta. Um, worry, we'll say, we'll sell you Alex Bono. Don't worry. It's no, 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 no. Get out of here with that. Although <laughs> Atlanta is supposedly signing a real backup keeper this upcoming week. So we'll see what happens with that and who that may be. Um, still moving on quickly. Colorado Rapids re-signed Drew Moore and Stephen Bateshore. Um, some more help in the midfield and defense. Uh, some veteran players as well. They're they both also defenders. signed. Come on. They're both defenders. Both former TFC players. I thought Moore was a midfielder for some reason. Uh, oh, maybe I'm getting him confused with. Um, I get him confused with Marky Delgado and Justin Morrow. Maybe it's Justin Morrow I'm getting confused with because of the Moore. Morrow. Justin Morrow is also a defender. So I thought I he was a midfielder. Uh, also, it's not Marky Delgado. It's Mark Delgado now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, all right. Really... All right, Mr. All right, Mr. Toronto. Um... <laughs> uh, the only reason I wanted to bring up Stephen Bateshore is to bring up the story of him in a game against uh, the Montreal at the time impact where he got tackled so hard. I believe he ruptured his spleen. Oh my God. Yes. And had to go to a hospital obviously and get that treated, but he is a tough 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 human being uh, clearly and if is <laughs> that's all i want that's the only reason i put them in continue one more move from that's okay one more move from colorado they signed abubakar keda from columbus crew and that could be up to four hundred fifty thousand in gam he's a younger defender he recently starred with the u20 national team for the u.s uh he was on the same team as paxton pomacol serginio dest timothy way all those guys um so going to be interesting if maybe a, a change of scenery will benefit him that's a big deal for colorado as well it kind of fits that mold of distressed assets is what they like to call it um where they get guys like kellen acosta um other u.s fringe players um other domestic players and give them a fresh start nothing from columbus crew we've mentioned them a little bit with some losing some players or whatever. Uh, they did sign a U22 player, but I think that was for the summer, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, I feel like they made a trade recently that I might be forgetting about. Maybe it was the Bubakar Kata. But some fun news. FC Dallas drew two big re-signings for FC Dallas in this offseason. Friend of the podcast, Kosi Tafara, and then Jesus Ferreira, who was signed to a brand new designated player deal. And it's not one of those, oh, it can get bought down to Tam. It's a like big boy DP deal uh, right after his uh, partner in crime, Ricardo Pepe got transferred off to Augsburg. So talk to us about uh, re-signing Tafari and Ferreira and some of those big moves for Dallas. Yeah, uh, Tafara, I think it's really funny, this whole journey that Tafara has been on um, because, 
you know, we talked to him that one time, one of the best, my favorite podcasts we've ever done. Highly encouraged to listen to that. And then next thing you know, Connor's sitting us in the slide, like, holy crap, this guy's in the starting 11. And then like next week, oh, he's still in the starting 11. He's still in the starting 11. You know, he's still there. He's still there. You know, got benched. Scored a goal. Scored a goal. All because he came in the podcast. So if any of you professional athletes are <laughs> listening to this podcast, please, please, we're begging you, please hop on. I mean, hey, you got him as evidence and Aubrey Bledsoe as evidence. I mean, it was proof in the pudding. Proof is in the go. pudding. So, so and Cozy, we've seen him kind of develop more into the team. So super excited for him. Um, and we'll see how that goes to Dallas. Um, Jesus Ferreira, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know, Dallas, every time we talk about Dallas, right, we talk about youth development. This club cranks out studs that play in Europe and tear it up. Hopefully, Ricardo Pepe will be another sign of that. But when you talk about Dallas, it's always a mess up on the DPs. If they were a DP, the hit on their DPs, this would be a club that's contending for MLS Cups because they just don't – they haven't won anything in a very long time. And then when you're cranking out, you know, if you're a Dallas fan, you're looking at talent, tearing up with Weston McKinney, scored a goal, right? Came from Dallas's academy. He didn't play with Dallas, but came from the club's academy. He's tearing up in Serie A for one of the biggest clubs in the world. And then the team just can't win um, because the DP signings really don't fall for them like another clubs do. So, I mean, Jesus Ferreira, this is kind of an interesting one, right? Because he's been with the club for so long. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's one of Dallas's kind of guys, you know, not a whole lot of dudes when you think about Dallas, except Ricardo Pepe, but now he's gone. So Jesus Ferreira kind of has this extra, you know, be the guy weight on his back. And we'll see how it goes. Dallas obviously did not have a good season last year. And then when you're losing one of the best young players in the league, that's definitely a lot more to put on you. Um, this guy's only 21 too. I mean, this guy isn't old at all. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, exciting to see for Jesus. Um, he has a lot to live up to. No, I'm not. He's not going to live up. He's not going to be the next Ricardo Pepe. I think that's unfair to kind of say, hey, go be Pepe. There's not Pepe's don't just grow on trees. Um, he's a special player. So that's going to be tough. Um, I think Dallas is a lot of pieces away from contending and for Nkosi, that's awesome. He's grown more into that starting role. And again, yeah, two super young players that are still growing and developing, which Dallas is really good at. So excited to see where these guys line up in the future. Um, but I just think Dallas is very, they're more than just two pieces away, I think from being a really good contender for a playoff spot. Well, I could say for a playoff spot for MLS Cup, I think they're more than two pieces away from contending for a cup shield or anything like that. All right. And moving on to DC United now, uh, not a whole lot of news um, for those up in the nation's capital. The biggest news to come out would probably be the team is listening to offers for Ola Kamara, who nearly won Golden Boot last year. So that is extremely kind of out of nowhere. Uh, We'll see if anything comes from it. We haven't seen any recent rumors or reports um, other than the initial uh, rumor to come about. So I'll have to keep an eye on DC United. Houston Dynamo, they signed MLS free agent goalkeeper Steve Clark, who most recently starred with the Portland Timbers, uh, started for them in MLS Cup, and then also won MLS's back with them uh, last summer in Orlando. And then they also announced new head coach, Paolo that Nadamora. was not last summer. That was two summers ago. Right. Okay. I didn't mean this past summer. I meant like the last. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's still like early in the year. Like, whoa, <laughs> my bad. 
Anyway, the bigger news, though, for Houston Dynamo is that they announced Paulo Nagamura as their new head coach. Uh, he spent five years with Sporting Kansas City, the last five years, um, coaching in their youth system. Uh, and then he starred for Houston Dynamo as a player. He's only 38 years old, so he's extremely young. Uh, but it, it's going to be fun, I think, for the Dynamo this year. They've got new owner. I think it's Ted Seagal as uh, the name of the uh, new owner. So they should be spending more. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes about from that as we get further along into the offseason. Um, I'll go ahead and mention LA Galaxy because they haven't done much of anything either. They did make a very huge trade to the New England Revolution, but we'll cover that when we get to the Revolution. Save that for that. Circling back for a second to LAFC, though, do want to talk about this. They made some significant moves this offseason so far. The smallest move, but most recent move, is signing Ilya Sanchez Earlier today, uh, the veteran midfielder has been with Sporting Kansas City the last few years. He is most likely a sort of Edward Atuesta replacement because Edward Atuesta was sold to Palmeiras down in Brazil. I believe the fee was about $4 million. So it wasn't a huge fee, but he did finally get his move abroad, albeit down to South America instead of maybe Europe. Another big one, a um, interleague move. LAFC signed right back Franco Escobar. MLS Cup winning right back Franco Escobar from Atlanta United for 250000 in GAM. Uh, that could rise up to 600000 in GAM with incentives. And then they announced Steve Chirundolo as their newest manager, replacing Bob Bradley. Uh, Chirundolo came through the coaching ranks with Hanover over in Germany. He starred with Hanover for years Years and years and years over in the Bundesliga. He's a former U.S. men's national team player. He most recently coached the Las Vegas Lights, uh, which is LAFC's affiliate in USL. So he's sort of a, a hire from within the organization. I mentioned him last year as a possible Toronto candidate before the colossal mistake of hiring Chris Armas was made. Um so it's kind of this weird triangle of Armas leaving for Manchester United, Bob Bradley going to Toronto, and then Sharondolo ending up in LAFC um, after mentioning him with Toronto so long ago. But yes, have we not. talked about? Sorry to jump in here. Have we talked about Chris Armas going to Manchester United? Yes, we did. Have we, we did. talked about the tire fire that they have now become? No, I personally, I think they're going to turn around. Though I don't think that's a big. Really? Because from the reports that I saw, the players don't think the assistants are very good. Um, so maybe don't hire failed MLS managers as your assistant manager if you're one of the biggest clubs in the world and just brought in one of the biggest players in the world. Um, you know, Take notes, maybe. Probably shouldn't take an MLS podcast to tell you that you shouldn't have done that. But <laughs> well, lots of people share that sentiment. <laughs> um, Drew, I want your thoughts on some of these moves Atuesta, Escobar, Ilya Sanchez, obviously Chirondolo as manager. Um, which do you think is going to have more of an impact on the team this year? Chirondolo as the new manager instead of Bob Bradley, or maybe uh, these players like Escobar and Atuesta or not Atuesta. I'm sorry, Sanchez as his replacement. Yeah, that is, I mean, Oh goodness. I mean, they both, this is like kind of such a weird year for LAFC, right? This just feels like, in inevitable i don't want to say rebuilding year because it feels like that's just not appropriate for a club that is willing is this big and willing to spend this much money but i feel like after that collapse last year 
having a new manager, new players. We talked about how impressed, how important uh, to us is to LAFC. And for him to go, I feel like we've talked about him potentially leaving a lot. And then finally, um, he left. I think you have Franco Escobar, who, like we said, very good. Just my consistency with him in Atlanta. He was either phenomenal or just really bad. Um, you just never knew what you're going to get with him. A lot of times he's really good. Sometimes he's not having a good game. But, you know, this just feels like such a weird year for LAFC. I think as far as what is going to make the most impact, I guess I'm going to cop out and say Shrendolo just because it's a new manager, new style. Um, you like to think he had something to do with signing these players. So I think as far as style of play, where these guys go, how they play, um, I can speak more to Franco Escobar than I can the other guys. He likes to fly down the wing and send in crosses. And we all know playoff Franco Escobar is a phenomenal site that the city of Atlanta will forever be indebted for it from 2018. So I think Shrendolo is going to be a big impact just because it's such a weird year. Um, I'm not sure what to expect out of LAFC right now. And I think this is just going to be like the first step in a wild, wild, not, I don't want to say a stretch of years, but just an interesting season for LAFC, given the high expectations they had last year, not even making the playoffs. Manager leaves, goes to TFC. And I feel like we'll talk more about TFC here soon, but a lot of questions surrounding LAFC and I'm excited to see what Shrendolo does given that situation, because this is a club. I feel like, man, when you come into the league, like with that hype and expectation, if you have one bad season, it feels like the world's just falling apart. And for you to have two bad seasons in a row, it's like, Oh God, what's going on? Like, this is not what we want. Um, especially if the galaxy turn up and have a good year, that's going to be rough because that rivalry, we know El Trafico is a good one. So I'm excited to see what Shrendolo does given the weird, strange craziness of the season with new players um yeah i think that's gonna be a big deal to see how these guys play how they fit in together and things like that yep definitely a big 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 year ahead for lafc they were certainly a popular pick for many of us last year to make it to mls cup or at least compete for some sort of trophy and then that did not happen whatsoever sure like what you said about them trying to avoid a rebuild i don't think they're allowed to call this a rebuild considering they still have Carlos Vela. They do have Chicho Aranjo, um, who was scoring for them a lot, and he's a TAM signing. So there are definitely some pieces there for them to be successful. And it will be extremely interesting to see how Steve Trundle does, um, especially considering just how much fun LAFC was to watch when Bob Bradley was coach. Moving on, uh, one of the highest active teams I think we've ever seen in MLS offseason history. And that is enter Miami who will be entering their third year in the league, but it might as well be an expansion team because they have <laughs> gutted that sucker. The I mean, the only player they have left on that team is uh Gonzalo Higuain. That's it. That is it. Uh, but they did make some signings, made some trades, got rid of a bunch of dudes. Uh, so I'm just going to, Real quick, go down this list because it is a lot. Starting with signing of Gene Mota, a midfielder from Santos FC in Brazil. They signed attacker Ariel Lasseter. Uh, he's Costa Rican. They got him from Houston Dynamo. They traded goalkeeper Dylan Castanera to Atlanta United for midfielder Mo Adams. They signed Bruce, uh, Bruce, Bryce Duke from LAFC in a trade and kept Duke's homegrown rights. Blaise Matuidi is not coming back. He is probably off, back off to France in a, a league owner, the team. Ryan Shawcross, 
one of the bigger signings for Miami last year, announced his retirement today. And then along with some more defender news for Inter Miami, they've loaned center back Leandro Gonzalez Perez down to River Plate, and they've loaned another center back, Nico Figal, down to their rivals, Boca Juniors, down in Argentina. That's pretty much it. Um, they also <laughs> traded away Lewis Morgan to the New York Red Bulls, but we'll save that for when we get down to Red Bulls. Um, Connor, this is not going to be anything closely resembling to what we've seen the last two years from Inter Miami. What is your opinion on all this? Of course, this is very much under the direction of Chris Henderson, their newest, uh, their new GM who took over midway through this past year. What do you make of, uh, I can't even call it a flurry of moves, more like a hurricane of moves. <laughs> Fitting you said hurricane for a Florida team. Um, but mm. there's a, as with hurricanes, a whole lot of subtraction, not a lot of addition. Um, <laughs> thank you for the poetry snaps or whatever they call it. Um, you have the soundboard. I would give yourself a clap if I was you. Oh, God, I got to do that. Wait. Uh, where's applause? Both of you. Both of you. Both of you. <laughs> Round of applause. All right. Back to Inner Miami. Who are they going to field? Who is left? They need a team. They've sold both of their center backs, all of their center backs. They got rid of a fullback. I don't think Breck Shea is still around. Um, Always around. He's never leaving. They did sign Clement Diop, who left Montreal and hasn't played for about six months. Bold move on that one. Uh, also an international. So, again, bold move on that one. Uh, they lost their hopeful backline savior in Ryan Shawcross to retirement. They, have, they do have 35-year-old or however old Ashley Cole. So, I guess they can rely on him. Or not what? Ashley Cole. Karen Gibbs. Karen Gibbs. I was like, whoa, when did Ashley Cole get on the team? <laughs> Not Ashley Cole. Karen Former Gibbs. LA Galaxy great. <laughs> that is one way of putting it. Um, <laughs> honestly, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, they have no money to spend. They've, they got a lot of game from Red Bulls. They, they, look, I don't think okay, they're and they a also bad spot as you're making it out to be. They lost a lot of game because they cheated. Yes, of course. But that was the whole point of selling Lewis Morgan was to recuperate some of that game. It's not like, you know, obviously they've only signed a couple of players, but I think they've got a little bit more money than we think, at least to play with. Um, and honestly, other than like, obviously they've, they've, you know, lost a lot of players, but they really just need to address center back. Uh, fullback? Who are their fullbacks? I'm sure there are a lot of apart uh, from of players games. that we're missing on here. Let me, I'll pull it up and see if I can find it. But other than that, who's playing in the center of the midfield? Um, you got rid of, we forgot to include this. Rodolfo Pizarro just said, hell no, and left. Um, he's now in Monterey. So currently you have one designated player because the other one also was moved to um i can't even remember where julian caranza went so they're not in a good spot let's put it that way um there's a lot of additions i think that they need to make a lot of them 
we'll see whether or not they can or not. Uh, but if I am an inter Miami fan, I am not going into this season very hopeful with the current roster setup personally. I don't think it's very good <laughs> at all. But hey, maybe Bryce Duke turns into the next Mark Anthony K. I don't know. He is a Barcelona Academy graduate. So that is worth noting. That's Remember the where last... Kaden Clark came from, too. Kaden Clark came from the Barcelona Academy? Yeah, the Arizona residency. Oh. That's where Bryce Duke is from as well. He's got some some background in there. I look, certainly Miami's team is a little thin, and that should be pretty stressful for fans because preseason camps open up in like a week, (laughs) like a week from now, Miami's going to be getting going, but I think they've been smart in shedding so much of their salary. They've gotten rid of, you know, players like Matuidi and LGP and Nico Figal, some of these more expensive players. And I think Chris Henderson has been making decent moves, whether it all comes together, of course, will remain to be seen, but this is nothing close to that original Inter Miami team. And maybe this is how they should have done it from the beginning. Moving on to the rest of the league, of course, Minnesota United, nothing to report from them, uh, which probably should worry their fans because they were not very good last year, uh, barely made it into playoffs and then bowed out very early. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. There was some significant news. Uh, their best player, uh, Manuel <laughs> Reynoso, pistol whipped a minor. So yeah. he's been in oh, jail or in legal that. trouble. Yep. So that is some significant news, I guess. Um, they also lost Jan Grey Goose, but we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, they did sign a U22 player, uh, but I am completely blanking on who it was. Uh, let me see if I can find it very quickly. Haven't they also lost Ethan Findley? Yeah, but he wasn't necessarily a huge um, um player for them he didn't really do much for them uh, the last couple of years so i wouldn't really count that as too much of a loss here it is it's a uh, south african international forward i thought Bear you were going to say here. his name okay. i wasn't going to but i have to now uh bongo kale long Wayne. oh gosh who knows if that's even close um, <laughs> but he's a u22 initiative signing he's 21 years old uh signed through the 2024 season international slot all that good stuff but that's really it for minnesota united uh montreal We'll just go ahead and pair Montreal and Nashville here for a second. And uh, Drew, I definitely want your opinion on this. No, but the big, big deal here for Montreal is they acquired right back slash center back Alistair Johnston from Nashville. Okay, See? come on. What? You did not just say Alistair. Close enough. Alist- Alistair? Yes. Oh, my God. That's what you're going to get me on? Get yes. out of here. Alistair. Come on. Alistair just is- Johnston. I'm sorry. I didn't. I'm not going down the stairs. I'm going down the stairs. All right. Oh my God. Uh, That's how it's spelled. What do you want from me? Anyway, Alistair Johnson. Okay. Sorry. He got acquired by my Canadian. I'm personally offended. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about, but it's fine. Um, Drew, give me your thoughts on national trading away Alistair Johnson. Uh, they also got Sean Davis from the Red Bulls, if you want to weigh in on that. And they also acquired Ethan Zubak from the LA Galaxy, a younger forward. But $1 million in GAM and a 10% sell-on fee. Is this a good bit of business to you from Nashville? And then, Connor, I, you can mention the back line for Montreal after Drew. But, Drew, thoughts on Johnston, Davis, all that good stuff. Tell us about your best friend from Nashville. 
Oh, my best friend, big, big A, as I like to call him back, back in the day, we go way back. Um, no, I mean, it sucks. Um, not, no, it doesn't. What am I saying? They, Nashville has gone to this back three. They have found a very good system back there between uh, uh, Walker Zimmerman, Dave Romney, and um, oh my goodness, uh, Jack Mayer, the milkman, as I like to call him. I'm not making that nickname up. He literally dressed as a milkman one day. So uh, Jack Mayer is, in fact, the milkman. Um, so those back three have really torn up for him. And then you look at uh, Dan Lovitz, our best friend, Honey, Moneymaking Mukhtar, Dax McCarty, and the whole gang in the midfield. Alistair Johnson really doesn't have a place on the midfield. Um, so I think it's a good bit of business from Nashville. He's a great player. But like you said, I mean, you're getting all this from him. Um, so I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Obviously, we're talking about one million in game. You talk about the sell-on fee. So I think he's a great player. Um, I know Montreal, that's gonna be good. But yeah, I'm not too disappointed just because the back three really looks like that's gonna work for him. It worked well until a playoff collapse, and for some reason, Ake Loba is allergic to playing soccer apparently. But whatever. And yeah, so I'm not too upset about it. Uh, I think Nashville's gonna be good, and Alistair just doesn't have that much of a spot on this team given the back three situation Nashville seems to find themselves in um so yeah I'm not too disappointed about it um and we'll see where Nashville goes from here but Montreal he's a great player I think he's gonna be killer in Montreal on that mayor did he do this on like Halloween or did he just show up one day (laughs) out of the blue As a milkman. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he just showed up randomly one day as a milkman. That would be much funnier. That's what I thought but, you meant. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's a, it, it, it's a fun story that it's kind of weird that I actually know the answer to this question. But they um, one day on Halloween, they made all they told all the rookies that they were dressing up, but no one else dressed up besides the rookies. Um. And Jack Mayer came in as a milkman because he drinks a ton of milk. And so from then on, they were just calling the milkman. And um, it was funny when he scored his first goal, part of my duties as an official social media intern for Nashville SC was to make a milkman meme. So if you ever want to know what it's like to be an intern for an MLS team, that's what you do is make milkman memes. (laughs) So he came dressed up as a milkman one day during Halloween and he drinks a lot of milk. And he's scared of cotton balls. Okay. I don't know. Very, very interesting. I, I am. I feel just so lucky to have all this extra information. If yeah. you ever run into Jack Mayer on the streets in Johns Creek, Georgia, you throw some milk and a cotton ball at him and he'll run away. Okay. I kind of get the cotton ball because I don't like those either. Are you scared of cotton balls? I'm scared ball? of them. I just don't like the feeling of them. No, for sure. I don't know if I'd say I'm scared of cotton balls. Though. Yeah. He's actually scared of cotton balls. Yeah, the, uh, there it's on the TikTok. You should go watch it. Um, they filled his car full of cotton balls one day because for some reason he left his car unlocked. Because that's what people do. Yeah, he's a weird guy, man. But he, dang, he's good at soccer. Shout out that guy. Shout out Jack Mayer, the milkman. I hope he listens to this. He will never listen to this. That's a guest we need to get on. Uh, you need to work your sources over at Nashville. Try to get the milkman on, but. Let's continue this podcast because like we're halfway through this and we've already been going for probably an hour at this point. You were going to say your thing about Montreal. If not, I was going to. Oh yeah, I can do Montreal. 
the only notable thing is basically their back line consists of two Canadian national team starters now in Kamal Miller and uh, Alistair Johnson. So interesting for Montreal. We'll see how that works out. I'd imagine pretty well. AKA international breaks are going to suck for them. Yes. Especially when their other center back is Joel Waterman, who is also, he's not really Canadian national team. And they just let go of Rudy Camacho because he I think retired or transferred. I don't know. One of the two he's gone. Um, so good luck on international breaks, Montreal. All right. And continuing on. Next team we got to cover, New England Revolution. Huge, huge, huge move from them. Probably one of the biggest moves of the offseason so far. They signed Omar Gonzalez. What? Oh. <laughs> I was just doing that. If you're saying out. biggest by tallest, sure. Yeah, you're um, right. There you go. Omar Gonzalez is a very tall guy. Uh, but they did get Omar Gonzalez. He's reunited with Bruce Arena, former national team manager. No, but the real big move for New England uh, kind of mentioned it briefly earlier. Sebastian Legette, they got him from the LA Galaxy for 500000 in GAM, and it could rise up to $1.3 million in GAM. So certainly a huge deal. Legette wanted more minutes, felt he wasn't going to get that with the Galaxy. Vanny went ahead and moved him on over to the Revolution, where he will be under Bruce Arena. Also spent some time playing under him at the national team. I think, I think only really one game. I think it was really early in Arena's second tenure but either way he's over with the revolution now so the rainy supporter shield winners um they get a pretty big addition for them definitely going to help their midfield depth for sure and with losing Tajan buchanan it's another um quality player to add in his place moving on to the mls cup champions new york city fc uh we already talked about them losing ismail to jerry in the expansion draft they also lost james sands on loan we mentioned that earlier the only other real big thing for them is they re-signed designated player Maxi Morales to a deal to where he is no longer a designated player. So huge be a uh, bit of business for them. They keep it a very important player, an important leader, uh, and a guy that still has some real quality to him as long as he's managed throughout the season. And I feel like NYCFC figured out how to do that this year. And uh, honestly, probably really contributed to them winning MLS cup because he was healthy down the stretch when they needed him most and for the playoffs. So good, good business by them. We move across the river to Red Bulls. Uh, we mentioned they signed Lewis Morgan from Inter Miami. That was for 1.2 million in GAM spread across two years, 700,000 this year, 500,000 next year. We talked about that helping Miami get some of that GAM back after they lost it because they're cheaters. Um, and so now Lewis Morgan gets to be with Red Bulls who need the attacking help. Clearly they really valued this guy. They're willing to spend that much GAM on him. And then Caden Clark will remain with Red Bulls at least until the summer. Um, was supposed to move to Leipzig. He might be on Leipzig's books now. I, I don't know for sure if that ended up going through or not. But ever since his appendectomy over the summer, he really had a hard time finding his form again. So hopefully with an off-season of rest, uh, he'll be back and ready to go better than ever. Moving on to Orlando City, a decent amount of moves from them. Drew, I want to get your opinion on couple of their moves. They brought back Mauricio Pereira on a one-year DP deal, so he'll remain a DP. We, I think, mentioned in the past Nani not coming back, but it feels important to mention that again, especially with us talking about earlier as well, Daryl DK leaving, so they've lost Nani and DK. But they are reportedly signed Uruguayan International Fasundo Torres 
for $10 million, could be up to $12 million. I think he's coming from the Uruguayan League. I'm not sure. But what do you make of the Prayer move and the Fasuna Torres move? And also, they changed ownership. I don't know if we've mentioned that at some point. They're now under the Wilf family. But I think that's the most. That uh, happened also, quite a while ago. Fair enough. And then also, Yoshimar Yotun is reportedly coming back. Drew, what do you make of that? Yes, busy, busy day for Orlando City. And yes, that is from Uruguay. So that is a club. Yeah, so exciting times for Orlando City. Um, I was Googling that the entire time you were talking. I was like, where is this team from? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think obviously the DK move is something I think we have been expecting for a while now. And to see it become official is now how does Orlando City handle this? Um, and then signing Torres for 10 to $12 million is obviously really exciting. This guy is a young player. You might have to help me. Is He is 21 years old. Is he a young money signing? Do we know? Are you talking about Fasuna Torres? Yes. Yeah, he is 21. He turns 22 in April. I guess it seems that way. There hasn't been a, a ton, and it's been mostly reporting from South America. So... I haven't seen for certain, but I'd maybe because of, oh, you know what? You can spend as much as you want on these players in terms of a uh, transfer fee. Maybe this is a U22 signing. I, I, I bet it is. So we'll see how that goes. I'm not sure really anyone understands what the heck the young money thing is at this point, but we're trying our best here at the MLS Movie Flex podcast. But yeah, I mean, this guy just getting a quick glance at his transfer market. This guy likes to play on the left wing. So did Nani, I think so. This is going to be a direct – I don't want to call Nani a geezer because he's one of the goats to ever play in the league. But you're kind of swapping a geezer for this young 21-year-old stud. That is what it is. I mean, you're losing DK. That's going to be tough. But, yeah, I think it's just direct. I don't want to say upgrade either because Nani has proven that he can dominate in this league. And, yeah, so I think that's a direct Nani Torres replacement. But the question remains DK replacement. Um so we'll see how that goes, but I think that's just a clear, you know, one guy leaves, next guy comes in using the young money initiative, which makes sense. Like you said, you can spend a lot of money on that if he is a young money because we still have to wait and see with other rules and things like that. But he is young from Uruguay. Um, yeah, exciting future. So I'm excited to see how that works for Orlando because, yeah, a lot of hype around the team as of late, but I think it's just a straight, you know, Nani for Torres getting younger swap on that left wing. Also worth mentioning that it looks like Yoshimaru Yotun will possibly come back to Orlando. He was a designated player for them, I believe, in 2018 and 2019. And I think he's a midfielder. He is a Peruvian international. And then they did re-sign Alexandre Pato, or at least reportedly re-signed him to a new one-year deal. So there is a little bit of depth at the center forward position, although Pato only played like 90 minutes all year. And it was like 30 minutes in the first game and 60 minutes in the last game of the season. So who knows with his health going forward. Uh, quickly jumping over to the Philadelphia Union, who are next on the list. They acquired Julian Carranza from Inter Miami on loan for the season with an option to buy. Clearly an intriguing move. Uh, Carranza was a DP for Inter-Miami, so they shed the DP for the season. Philadelphia Union clearly need some sort of threat as a, an attacking forward, so Carranza fits the bill for that, and they could end up buying him if it works out. So I'm very excited for this move. I think we're all in agreement that it's very intriguing because these kinds of interleague maneuvers don't happen very often. So it would be fun to see where that goes. Portland Timbers are next. 
They signed David Bingham and Alias Ivicic, uh, both goalkeepers. We talked about them losing Steve Clark to Houston. But probably the biggest news for them, they are transferring Diego Valeri back to Lanus for $175,000. That's the transfer fee. So I believe he's going to get a send-off, like a proper send-off uh, next week. I think I saw some sort of tribute to him so the fans can say their goodbyes to him. So club legend Diego Valeri, I don't think we ever expected him to leave Portland. But here we are. It has come to it. I just want to jump in here and I said, I think I saw that they might also be doing a game against Lanus or be planning a game against Lanus so that he could play a game in Portland one last time. Um, I don't know how far along that is, but I did see that rumored, uh, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I can't remember what it's called when they do these types of matches. Like there's a specific word and it is escaping me. So maybe I'll think of it by the end of the podcast and I'll just randomly blurt it out. Uh, (laughs) But that's the deal for Diego Valeri. Very sad to see him go. Uh, One of the two Diegos that we've become so accustomed to seeing up in Portland. On to the next team who have had some big news during the offseason, but it got even bigger uh, the last few days, really. And that would be Real Salt Lake, uh, starting with the official announcement of Pablo Mastroeni as their head coach, dropped the interim tag, um, masterfully took them to the Western Conference final where they fell to Portland after being the seventh seed and making it in on the last second on decision day. So good to, to Pablo Mastroeni for <clears throat> getting that head coach position. They also re-signed Justin Merrim, which is a big deal just because he helped them a lot this year and especially in the playoffs. They lost one of their designated players, Albert Rusnak. We'll talk about where he's going just a little bit later in the episode. But the biggest news, hands down for ourselves, is they finally have new ownership. They have David Blitzer, who owns about 10 to 15 teams across the world, most of those being soccer clubs, but has big ownership stakes in the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. And then Ryan Harris, who is part owner of the Utah Jazz, so someone from the area. He's also a big name in this ownership group. Connor, I want your opinion on this new ownership in David Blitzer. Uh, we've gotten to see a lot about him these last couple of days. What is your opinion of him being brought in as uh, the newest owner in MLS? Uh, I'll do this pretty quickly, but uh, I think it's a, a, a good thing that they're finally out from Delroy Hansen's grip. Um, that doesn't hang over their heads anymore, which is very <laughs> positive in my opinion. Um, with David Blitzer... Some people like him as an owner. Some people don't. I think he's kind of hands-off. I think he'll definitely be hands-off with RSL. He owns Crystal Palace. Uh, I believe he just bought a stake in FC Augsburg as well. Uh, And I want to say he footed the entire bill for the Pepe signing. So That's what people are sort of assuming. Yeah. Um, So he's got a lot of experience in sports. The one thing he does do is he treats teams like a business he doesn't treat them like a sports team so we'll see how they approach the coming season and their future as to whether or not they try to aim to try to profit off the players more often but i don't know i think it just just getting new ownership at this point it really doesn't matter who it was was beneficial for them and yeah i think if you're an RSL fan, all you have to do is be happy because you don't have to deal with the impending sale of your team hanging over your head anymore. 
Absolutely. It's a, a great, great move for RSL. Um, as they can finally move forward, they've got their now head permanent head coach and new ownership. Uh, jumping around to continue with the league, we've got the San Jose Earthquakes. They selected John Gregus from the re-entry draft from Minnesota United, and then they ended up selling him. And that's really all that's been done for San Jose. They did lose a couple of guys um, over the offseason as well. But we are also entering Matias Almeida's last year with San Jose. It's the last year of his contract. So I think we'd all like to see some more moves, but this is where we're at. If you want more about San Jose, you can see one of our recent podcasts with Ivan Ornelas from uh, MLS Multiplex who helps cover them over on the website. And then the biggest news recently, especially becoming official today, as I was mentioning above, Albert Rusnak has signed as a DP with the Seattle Sounders, as if they couldn't, as if they didn't Yay. need any more players. Drew, real quick, I want your thoughts on Albert Rusnak joining with Seattle. How impressed are you that the Sounders were able to pull off a move like this? Yeah, I mean, it's just like Seattle. Man, I don't even know. Um, yeah, I mean, you're always worried about them just continuing to dominate. I'm going to move like this. It doesn't look like it's going to slow down anymore. Um, again, like you said, this is a pretty recent move, so not a whole lot has been made of it. Um, yeah, I mean, he's pretty young. He's 27, team option in 2024, um, DP slot, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he has 41 goals, 39 assists, 140 regular season appearances. So this guy has played a lot. He has produced a lot, and it's just – you know, it's just frustrating. That's probably the best way to put it. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like this, here we go again. But yeah, I mean, we'll see, man. We talked, we talked about the slack. Like every time you pick a team to do it, everyone picked Columbus and LAFC. You saw what happened. So not a lock to win MLS as the second best team in the Western conference in this past season, but yeah, that's incredibly impressive. And definitely, definitely Seattle is continuing uh, to be favorites in this league. And it does not look like they're slowing down because they keep making signings like this. And they'll probably make some midseason summer signing that turns out to be the one that wins the MLS Cup. So frustrating if you're not a Seattle fan. If you are a Seattle fan, you're just, I don't know what it's like. You're just enjoying the spoils, I guess. They also did lose Shane O'Neill, but we'll get to that in a second. Yep. So as usual, Seattle Sounders making huge moves and dominating the league likely is what I think is kind of a steal with Rusnak because he's kind of got under the radar playing for Salt Lake. But other teams to uh, cover here, Sporting Kansas City just announced uh, yesterday, I believe Peter Vermees in a press conference mentioned that Alan Polito is getting surgery on his knee and will be out for the entire 2022 season. Huge blow for Sporting Kansas City. Uh, especially considering as well, they were not able to sign Robert Barrich after selecting him in one of the re-entry drafts. So they are hurting for center forward depth. It'll be interesting to see how they fill that void from Polito. I have seen just jumping off of Polito. They are apparently looking in Europe for a possible replacement. Uh, I can't remember who had that, but they are looking for somebody to replace him. So I'd imagine something will happen before the summer for them. It's going to be very tough to replace Polito, though. They should go for Robert Lewandowski. You know, I think a lot of teams should, honestly. Maybe every single team on the face of the earth. J joking aside, I can think of a young American striker who's not getting very minutes with his current club and is from Kansas City. You say Josh Sargent. Oh, my God. It could do him good. It could do him good to come back to MLS and just dominate, you know? 
he needs that confidence boost, if we're being honest. But that's it for Sporting Kansas City. Oh, they're also um, in talks to bring back Graham Zussi back. I think the deal has gone through, just hasn't been officially announced. It'll be his 14th year with the club, setting a record for most seasons spent with a single club in MLS. Uh, there have been some Sounders players who have done that much, but that was through multiple leagues and not necessarily in MLS. They also lost Illy Sanchez, which we mentioned earlier, but that's a big loss to their midfield, which already lost um, Busio this past year. So they're going to probably have to find somebody to replace both of those. Ideally. Um, I don't know. It's a very interesting time for sporting KC as a team, as they try to work around injuries and different transfers. Absolutely. Uh, so it'd be fun to see what sporting Kansas City decides to do to fill out their roster and try to get back to uh, winning an MLS cup, which they haven't done in a really long time now. Uh, other bit of, I guess we'll call it expansion news, but St. Louis city, they announced their first head coach, former Red Bull assistant, Bradley Carnell, who was rumored to be picked by Ryan Nick for his staff, but it looks like he chose the St. Louis uh, head coach job instead. So he was one of those candidates, which I guess Chris Armas ultimately got that position. But Carnell, he is a South African, uh, like, I, like we said, former Red Bull assistant. He filled in his interim after Armas was let go from Red Bulls. And uh, all I want to say about that, that, about that is good for St. Louis. They are a year out from joining the league, and they already have had a GM for half a year. And now they're going to have a head coach for a full year. They've already gotten a head start on their academy. It looks like their stadium is going to be finished by the time they get in the league. So St. Louis is going to be huge. I think they're laying such a fantastic foundation. What? Sorry uh, to jump in here. When was the last time a team entered the league with a finished stadium? Ooh. Um, I mean, you want to count Austin FC because they only spent like a month on the road to start this past year. Um, but from like opening day, it's it had to, it's been before my time caring about MLS, which is pre twenty seventeen. So I I don't think. What was Orlando situation? No, Can because they, MLS No, because the day um, Atlanta United played their first ever game, Orlando opened their stadium, but they'd already been playing for two years. Uh, this could. I was like, possible. why is it such a big deal that they have a stadium? Like, okay, like they don't have a <laughs> stadium. To the club, what the heck? <laughs> And then, then you follow MLS for a couple of years and realize, oh, it's actually a huge deal. Yeah. So even bigger deal that St. Louis will likely have their, their stadium built. So very impressive from them. Uh, just a couple teams left. Let's jump over to Canada for our final two teams. Vancouver Whitecaps, zip, not a hey, zilch. No, they did something. They acquired Tristan Blackman. Oh, right. Okay, of course. My, my fault, my fault. They got Tristan Blackman. Uh, we also talked about them. Uh, retaining Vanny Sartini as their manager. And um, what was the other big, I guess that's really it. They've done so much move, so many moves this past summer and over the last couple of off seasons that they don't really have much left to do, but on to the biggest news of the off season by far and may potentially be a league changing signing. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but a five, six Italian winger, no, you're over to play for being Toronto very generous FC. to him. You are being very generous to him. Subtract to who? two inches from that. Subtract two inches from that. Guy is five. Foot. Toronto, what's both? up with the Toronto players and short guys? Yeah, well, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying they're both five four or are you saying like Javinko is five four? They're both five four. 
Okay. All right. So these two Italian dudes have been lying about their height, <laughs> but are uh, amazing soccer players nonetheless. Uh, we get to Toronto FC. They've made tons and tons of moves, but easily the biggest one is Lorenzo Insigne joining from Napoli over the summer. He signed a pre-contract worth a whopping $15 million per year, according to some reporting done by The Athletic. There's a lot that goes in with that in terms of taxes and what he'll actually end up with, but I just want to jump in here and say, I'm sorry. I was a little too generous. He's actually five foot three. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So he is very short, uh, very, still very good at soccer regardless, uh, as we will soon find out hopefully in MLS, but this is a huge deal. You get an, an, an Italian international in this prime. The reason why this is different from Jovinko is Jovinko was sort of a fringe Juventus player. Um, and it was strange for an Italian player like him to come over in his prime, but he wasn't necessarily a household name and wasn't starring for the Italian national team the prior summer in the Euros like Lorenzo Insigne was. So this is certainly a huge deal, and he has been Napoli's captain, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Yeah. So this is a huge, huge, huge signing. Lots of money involved. His yearly salary will be more than about half of the league's full budget uh, for individual franchises. Drew, real quick, I want your thoughts on the Insigne signing. And then Connor, want, of course, some of your thoughts as the Toronto fan here, the Torontoite, Toronton? Torontonian. I was going to say Wow, Torontonian. That's weird because you said you don't like to pronounce the second T in Toronto. Toronto. Anyway, Toronto. That sounds weird. All right, Torontonian. Yeah, and then Connor, you take us through some of those other signings since they've had a lot of movement. But Drew, Insigne thoughts. Big deal here. Yeah, P club confirms he is in fact good at soccer. Yeah, this is a huge one. Um, one of my friends who doesn't really follow the league very closely texted me about this move. It's like, holy crap, I might actually start watching MLS now. It's like, oh, okay, there you go. Thanks for that, buddy. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like one of those, right? I mean, this guy's a huge deal. Like you're talking about, I mean, this dude, if you watch the Euros, watch Italy win the Euros against England, that was a huge game because England, right, obviously trying to end the drought. Um, and then there's a dude that's going to play in MLS. That's literally going to play in Connor's backyard. Like Connor is going to go able to watch this guy play whenever he wants to. And then he's going to come to Atlanta and we can watch this guy play whenever he wants to. And like you said, he's a, he's not like this scrub that is like 55 years old showing up out of Napoli. Like this guy's good. He's a legit player. I think he's, did we say how old he is? He's not 30. terrible. He's 30. 30 okay. 31 when he joins. Yeah. Okay. So 31. Yeah. That's totally like fine. That's doable. I think this is a huge deal. Um, TFC, I'll leave more of what it means for TFC to Connor and like how, what his expectations for the season are because there's a lot of new faces coming in that are very talented, um, but it's a lot of newness, so I'm not too hype about them. Um, as far as winning MLS Cup this year, I know they still have some center back issues, but Connor may be able to address that more than I can. But this is a huge deal. Um, I think this is going to be phenomenal. I hope he tears it up um, and has nothing to say but good things about the league because in a situation like this, you want to have a player of that caliber excited about MLS because that's going to speak volumes for other players trying to do the same. So it's I think it's a game changer. I'm super pumped to see what he does in the league. Um, as an Atlanta United slash half the league besides Toronto fan, I'm very upset about it, but it is what it is. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be huge people that don't watch MLS are getting involved because of the signing. And I think that's awesome for the league, but I will let Connor 
get more into what it means for TFC as far as can they actually win anything next year and things of that nature because new players, new coaches, new shenanigans. So, Connor, what do you think it means for TFC to make a move like this? A move that I don't really – this has been a wild transfer window because this is another one of those moves that I'm not really sure I can equate it to something we've seen really in MLS before. Yeah, I think as a financial investment, the only one that would rival it would be Beckham um, because he literally got a team basically for free. Um it's huge. I think it's game-changing for, as you said, not only TFC, but the league. This is a player coming to MLS in his prime off the back of winning a Euros. Um, there's a lot of risk involved, and I wrote an article about this last weekend. Um, because if it does go south, that's a big investment. Um, but again, for, T- for MLSE, who own TFC, it means basically nothing. Um, so I think it's a game changer. I think it's going to be hopefully incredibly successful. Uh, I think he could very easily be the face of this league come when he joins July 7th in a Bob Bradley system too, where I think he used a four, three, three in, uh, LAFC having Insignia on the left wing. Pozuelo in an attacking midfield, and then potentially Dries Mertens in at striker uh, because he's been rumored, according to Michael Singh, there's been conversations. Uh, I wouldn't rule it out. I trust anything Michael says because I think he's very, very reliable on this stuff. Um, yeah, I think this team's making a lot of big moves. Bring in Shane O'Neill, a veteran MLS center back who could very easily start or come off the bench for you if you really need as a third center back. Uh, they're rumored to be potentially acquiring Carlos Salcedo uh, from Tigres, Mexican center back. Apparently there were rumors of him and going to the Premier League, so clearly a talented player there. In that agreement, Jefferson Soteldo, or Jefferson Soteldo, as he goes by, would be transferred to Liga Mekis and then potentially to another team entirely. Uh, there's been rumors about Santos being interested. Uh, but yeah, I think this team's really, really changing and really trying to fix what they saw as being issues in the past, uh, addressing problems that were in the past. Uh, another player they've been linked to is Dominico Crescito. And I think that will likely happen based on what I've heard. Uh, from rumors and stuff and talking to people I know. So they're building a very solid team. And I don't think this will be the end. The striker situation is incredibly intriguing to me, specifically what they do with Josie. They traded Dom Dwyer on the third overall pick to FC Dallas uh, for 50000 in GAM so that Dallas would buy out Dwyer because his salary was going to go from 80,000 to 300 to 350,000. And for a guy who I don't even think got a shot on goal as a striker last season, that's bad and highlights how much of a terrible job Ali Curtis did. Um, But in terms of just TFC as a whole, incredibly positive that they're making these changes. I love the fact that they're investing this money. 
And hopefully all the signings they make are game changers for this league because as this league gets better, TFC gets better. And as TFC gets better, this league gets better. So, yeah, it's incredibly exciting time for TFC. And they're very, very far from done. I think there's going to be a lot of moves over the next couple weeks as we get closer and closer to training camp. All right, I think that does it. We've somehow managed to get through literally every single team in the league and mention every single team in the league. I can't count how many podcasts we've ever done that before. Probably none. I can't even say MLS is back just because there were missing teams from that tournament. Um, And we've even managed to include expansion teams in this one. So, yeah, wow. All right, take us out, Drew. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to our fun off-season transfer shenanigans. We really appreciate it. And as always, is the website MLSMultiplex.com to check up on all of our awesome writers written content throughout the off-season. You can find the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex. You can find us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville to see our tweets about hockey, basketball, baseball, football, soccer marvel movies the whole nine yards we got everything on twitter so give us a follow on twitter and as always be sure to tune in next week because we will have more off-season shenanigans we'll have another episode so thank you all again so much for tuning in and be sure to tune in next week because we will talk to you then save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get three pound rolls of juicy 80 percent lean ground beef for 349 a pound with a digital coupon then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, body armor super drink or arizona tea for 77 cents each all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details